It's an honest question, isn't it? How can anyone be born after having grown old? The question that is at the center of the dialogue between Nicodemus and Jesus is a question that actually has so many layers that we could ponder. How could anyone be born again after having grown old? Now, many translators have, and theologians have taken Nicodemus' question and looked at it as if Nicodemus were, were asking the question in a literal sense. Does Nicodemus really think that Jesus is talking about uh, being born again physically? Jesus is stressing the point here that this is a spiritual rebirth. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. How would we look at his question if we assumed for a moment that Nicodemus doesn't think you actually have to go back into your mother's womb? What if Nicodemus is really wrestling with this concept? How can you start over? Is it really possible? I mean, I can't go back to the very beginning, can I, Jesus, and start again? How can anyone start over after having built up a life that has sent them down a specific course? We know that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's a leader. He has authority and influence in society. And now all throughout the Gospels, we see that the Pharisees are sometimes at odds with Jesus. Here is this new preacher, this rabbi, this one who is teaching in a powerful way, and, and the Pharisees at times felt threatened by Jesus. It's safe to assume they didn't know what to think of his teaching. Where does his authority come from? And later in John's gospel, we will see this tension build and build and build between the religious leaders and authorities and the Christ. Nicodemus has built up a life for himself. He's gone down a certain path. He's made certain decisions. He's known one way in his family, in society. And yet there's a holy hunger inside of him. There's a holy hunger that Nicodemus can't shake. There's an insatiable curiosity that Nicodemus has. He's curious about this Jesus. But I've come to believe that Nicodemus is more than curious about Jesus. Nicodemus is curious about life. You see, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night in the cloak of darkness, maybe not to be seen by his fellow friends, by others. And he's coming to Jesus maybe because He's not so much curious about Jesus. He's curious about what Jesus is teaching. He's curious about the message behind the man. And so he comes. Jesus, we know that nobody can do what you do apart from God. For what you're doing and what you're saying and what you're teaching and the fruit of your ministry, it clearly is from God. Help me understand. Help me see. And Jesus responds here in this beautiful way. 
Nobody can see the kingdom of God. Nobody can see it, Nicodemus, without being born. The Greek word is anothen, which we translate into from above or again, depending on your scripture. Now Nicodemus goes on the defensive. How can anyone be born after having grown old? He missed what Jesus told him. Nicodemus starts by saying, we see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Jesus says, nobody can see the kingdom without being born anothen. Jesus is saying, you are born again, Nicodemus. You have been born from above. You do have eyes to see because nobody can see it unless something is going on spiritually inside of you. But Nicodemus responds as if this spiritual rebirth, reimagination, invigoration is not his yet. It is already his. It already belongs to him. I imagine when Jesus responds to him, he's smiling. Nicodemus, nobody can see the kingdom unless something spiritually is happening in their life, in their heart. God's work at work in you. But Nicodemus is stuck. He's stuck from seeing what's already his. He's stuck from experiencing what God has already freely given him. How can I start over? When I think of my own spiritual transformation or the spiritual transformations of other people, this is often the tension at the heart of the struggle. Internally, whether intellectually, emotionally, or spiritually, there is wrestling that has been going on. There is an internal dialogue. There is a holy unrest inside of people. And that holy unrest and that dialogue and that yearning to think different, act different, be different, go down a different path is at tension with the physical reality of the life one has built up, the decisions one has made, the course one has set for themselves. And the internal wrestling and struggle and dialogue is feeling the full weight of trying to break through into the physical. Now, if this sounds like a bunch of just weird spiritual babble, let me give you an example. Fourteen years ago, I was deployed in Iraq. And I was having this spiritual quaking going on inside my heart. I had built up a life for myself as a soldier in the United States Army. I was really proud of that identity. I had worked really hard to be all-American G.I. Joe. I had the haircut, I had the look, I had the gear, I had the credentials. It was my life. I had worked really hard to show the world that I was strong and I was brave. I volunteered to be deployed in Iraq. You don't need to volunteer. I wanted to go. I wanted to prove something. I wanted to become a man. But inside, deployed in Iraq, I was wrestling. 
Am I truly meant to spend my life as a soldier? What, what is this yearning inside for something different? Is this God's voice or my voice? And this internal struggle and this internal wrestling felt like it couldn't break free into the physical because the physical is what the world had come to know about Lorne. Lorne is a soldier. Lorne is proud of being a soldier. And it wasn't until I was at my physically, physically my weakest point where I could utter the words, I give up. I won't go into the whole story. Many of you have heard it, but after many months, I was medically evacuated down to Baghdad and lying on a hospital bed, weak, emotionally drained. I said, I give up. I give up trying to hold back this spiritual yearning, this reimagination of what my life could be of where my life could go. I give up. Make me new. Make me whole. Reimagine my life for your glory, God, not for my own. A very similar but different context occurred not too, too far later, a few years later, in my wife. My wife had worked hard her entire life to get straight A's, to be a three-sport All-American athlete, to be a collegiate athlete. She had worked hard in everything she had ever set out to do. A few years into her physical therapy career, right when we were getting married, my wife said, I want to use my brain more than my body and my vocation, and I think I'm going to go back to school. So she applied to medical school, and after taking the MCAT a number of times, got into the University of Cincinnati, and my last year of seminary was her first year of medical school, and she worked really, really hard and did excellent in her academics. We got pregnant that year. She got pregnant that year. I just helped. Um, and after her last final of that first year of medical school, the very next day, our daughter Brianna was born and came rushing into this world. Becca had the summer off from medical school, and she decided to take a year leave of absence from the program to spend the first year as a mother just investing in our daughter. I had no idea over that year leave of absence, my first year here at Prince of Peace in 2013, that Becca was wrestling, that the spirit was at work inside of her, causing this holy unrest and this tension. She had built up her life. She had worked extremely hard to get into medical school. And she had finally arrived there at the, the, what would be the start of a brand new career in medicine. But internally, she was struggling. Do I really want to do this now that I'm a mother? Do I really want three more years of med school, all the years of residency, all of the debt associated with school? Do I really want a life in medicine? God, what are you, what are you doing inside of me? And it wasn't until a walk pushing 
that little baby buggy. I'm holding the dog down the street many months later. When Becca is praying internally, God, give me a sign. Give me a sign. And a man walks down the street, and he passes us, and he makes the smallest comment. He looks at our young family, and he sort of sighs. Hmm. Looks like you have everything you need. And he walks by. I look over at my wife, and she's crying. What's wrong? I was praying for a sign. A sign for what? (laughs) For what to do. And I got it. I got it. So the next week, we drove down. She withdrew from the program. Can anyone start over? after having built up a life. You see, the wind blows where it chooses. You don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. This is the heart of what Jesus is trying to teach Nicodemus. God's work in your life is like the wind. You can never see the wind. You can only ever see the effects of the wind. You can see the effects of the wind when it blows tree branches, but you can never see the wind. You can feel the wind, but you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. But you can start over. You can start over not only in the big moments of your life, you can start over daily. You can start over in any given moment. This is the heart of the gospel. Your life is not just the sum total of the choices you've made. Your life is more than the direction you set out on when you were 20-something years old. Your life is more than your career. Your life is more than your mistakes. Your life is more. Death and resurrection. Can anyone be born again? Of course they can. Of course they can. Can you start over? Jesus says, you already have Nicodemus. You already see it. Now let go and live into the new life. Live into the new reality. Amen.